Welcome to the WIPS Podcast, inspiring and empowering women to take the stage and up their game in the public speaking arena. My name is Chantal Bosset from Shabbos, leaders for your presentation, public speaking, and AV needs. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Jennifer Gardner. She's from Columbus, Ohio. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, Chantel. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. And thank you for agreeing to be a guest on my show because that will help people get a different point of views in terms of women that do public speaking. And let's start off uh, with that first thing. What do you, what's your business? Tell us more about it. For the last 10 years, I have been a massage therapist who specializes in myofascial release therapy, and I'm self-employed, and I, over the course of those 10 years, I've come to realize that a lot of my clients, especially early on, um, were coming to me with trauma, at, in, or they were having trauma responses coming up, or flashbacks, or what have you, and I wasn't really sure what to do with that or how to do it. Oh, so yeah. I have, I have started down the path to become a trauma informed therapist. So I've been studying um, different techniques, somatic based techniques to work with the effects of trauma for the past few years. Um, I've been studying neuro-linguistic programming. Um, I've studied at the body language Institute. And so I'm pulling all of that into my work and that um, and and on top of that, to add another layer to that, um, I have gotten to a point in my life, um, and it really came to a head about eight years ago, where um, my body no longer could take synthetic products. Okay. So I had to really start. I, I was reacting to a lot of products with synthetic ingredients. So I had to start finding more natural products for myself and my own health. Um, and that led me to, um, a couple MLM companies, which is multi-level marketing yes. companies, um, where I use essential oils, hemp oil, even my hair care products I get from a direct sales MLM company. Oh, nice. and, and, um, so I've started speaking about some of these healthier products and speaking about like bringing awareness to letting people know what's the difference between synthetic and natural and how does that affect your body and how can it affect your body? I had to learn it for myself and then coupling that with what I've learned, you know, for the trauma that, and so I've, I've kind of put different, I speak about different things. I speak about health and wellness and I also speak about trauma and communication. And so I've kind of got two arms and believe it or not, they really do link together. Well, I do believe it because yeah. everything we come in contact with has an effect on our everyday life. Yeah. So whether it's with your massages and all those therapies or the product that we use, whether we like it or not, they're linked. So it does make sense. It's true. And even with massage therapists, I'm, I often wonder how many massage therapists who are using lotions and oils really think about the ingredients in the lotion and oil they're using because they uh -huh. have it in their hands every day. The skin is a barrier, not a carrier. 
or it's a carrier, not a barrier. So it's through, it lets things through. And so some of those, if there are a lot of petrochemicals in your lotion and you're putting that on your hands day after day after day, and I know therapists in my local area who after several years, they're, they're just exhausted and they're burned out every day. And I can't help but wonder if this repeated exposure is um, feeding into like hormone disruption, you know, and adrenal fatigue, things like that. And so those are some of the things I speak about to bring awareness to it. Oh, nice. That's, I like the very broad way that you treat people because that's the way to put it. You have the physical part and then the products part. I like that. And I'm sure it's probably helping a lot of people when you speak to, which comes to mind. What was the first experience you had as a public speaker? Oh my gosh. I, I think I've always been a little bit of a pontificator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and since early childhood, the first one that really comes to mind uh, was eighth grade graduation. We, we, have a little graduation ceremony in this country for when I was a kid, it was eighth grade was the, you know, the first graduation and, um, you know, kind of transitory ceremony. I think they do it for all so many levels. Now they have kindergarten graduations, first grades, it's a little (laughs) out of control now, nowadays. Um, when I was in eighth grade, uh, the people who spoke at the graduation ceremony were, um, were chosen, if I remember correctly, I think we were chosen based on academic performance okay. and, and I, you know, I had pretty good grades. And so I had to get up in front of the whole crowd at my eighth grade graduation and speak. And so that's my earliest memory of getting up in front of a crowd and, and speaking in a more, slightly more formal venue, um, as opposed how to, was it? um, it, I didn't see what the big deal was. I remember people talking to me about being nervous. I'm like, what? I'm just getting up there and reading what I prepared. What's the big deal? (laughs) (laughs) So you were pretty comfortable doing it to start with. That's good. I was. And and I've learned about myself. I, I am actually one of those weirdos who's more comfortable speaking to a, a group of people than being in the group of people. Oh, okay. So. Well, why not? <laughs> it, well, people do need to have some people like you that are comfortable in front of a group because that's how we learn most of the time. Yeah. And make me wonder, did you ever encounter a challenging experience when you were doing public speaking? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I think my most challenging experience, and it, it wasn't with a large group, like most of my speaking that I do is with small groups of people and uh-huh. not necessarily huge packed rooms. Um, and in one of my uh, speaking engagements, um, I, I have struggled with um, PTSD on and off throughout my adulthood. And there is a felt sense to PTSD when your body's having a trauma response. And it, it's this like fiery heat that comes up from the core and you start sweating and it makes it hard to think straight. And I had a PTSD response come up in the middle oh. of public speaking once and I managed to get through it. Um, 
but oh my gosh, I was so glad when that was over because I was just, and, and I'm that person who's always cold. If you survey everyone in the room and everybody <laughs> says it's comfortable in here, I need a parka. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a parka, okay. <laughs> and if I'm comfortable, everybody else is going, oh my God, it's so hot. I can't take it. So when I'm sweating, <laughs> that profusely, then my body's in a state of dysregulation. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, yeah so, how, that must have been very challenging. What did you learn from that experience? Because there's always a learning point when we have challenges like that. Yeah, what I learned from that experience was I still had more work to do with my PTSD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on that a lot in my adult life. Um, and it, it is, it's getting better. And I, I, I have one of the types of, of trauma abuse that they say that there's a very low recovery rate from it. Oh, it's early childhood developmental abuse and trauma. Okay. And that that's really hard to overcome. And it's not necessarily the physical types of abuse, the verbal, emotional manipulation, gaslighting. Um, I had a lot of that. Oh, wow. And that creates this dysfunctional sense of what normal is, especially when you see it coming from family members. And you learn from your family members. You learn from your parents. Absolutely. So dysfunctional normal, you think that everybody's like that. And that really gets ingrained into the subconscious system. And so I had this belief for a long time that I couldn't overcome this because that's what mainstream psychiatry and psychology says is that there's very low success rates. And I'm learning that that is just BS. It's not true. Um, and what I like about your story, is it is proof that whatever happens and whatever our challenges we're able to go in front of a group and speak. Yes. It didn't impair you from do, doing public speaking at all. It's just that you know that sometimes you might have to manage some episodes that are not fun at all, but you, you pull it through. And that's the great positive point about it that listeners should think about. They shouldn't think about having, oh, I have so many challenges, I'll never be able to be in front of a group. You're proof that it is possible. <laughs> right. And one of the challenges in life, I got hung up on this at one point in my life where I just felt like I was so broken that there was no hope and why bother. And one of the challenges that I've realized in life is not to avoid those feelings. You have to feel those feelings and then do that thing that scares the crap out of you anyway. True. Um, in the midst of the of feeling the fear and experiencing the fear and experiencing all of that, you still have to kind of push through it. And it's almost like proving to yourself that despite what I tell myself, I can still do this and I can prove myself wrong. It's like this competition with the self instead of. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. And, that was a very challenging experience, but what would be your greatest memory from taking the stage and why would that be? Um, I'm not sure I have one greatest memory from taking the stage. Um, most of my really feel good situations are when I'm realizing that the group of people I'm speaking to are 
truly engaged in what I'm saying. And you can tell that by their body language. You, know, yes, you can yes. tell by how they're listening and how they're engaged with the talk and with the questions. You know, a lot of times people will raise their hands to ask questions or whatnot. And so that's what really, really feeds me is when people are engaged with the information. Um, and I think that is because... I used to go into that, well, what's the use? Nobody cares what I have to say. And then when I do realize that people do care what I have to say and they're engaged, then I'm like, oh, okay, so I was wrong. And so again, it's like proving myself wrong <laughs> or the, the crowd is proving me wrong. That feels really good. Oh, you're right. Uh, crowd engagement is so rewarding. And maybe one thing I want to point out so people realize that feeding from that energy coming from the audience is so true. Mm -hmm. If we just take the time to feel what's going on, it is usually feeding us in a very positive way. And that's a very good point because as you mentioned, it's probably not one huge experience, but when you experience that, it probably feeds you in a positive way to just keep going and enjoying it again and again. So that's a very valuable point. Yes, yes, absolutely. How do you prepare for your speeches or presentations? Um, when I prepare for a speech or presentation, uh, I keep, I, I do my very best to keep my audience in mind. Um, so that whoever I'm going to be speaking to um, will guide how I prepare and what I put together. Um, and if I'm presenting material like health and wellness type material, um, again, I, you know, I take the core of the information and adapt it to my audience. How can this even matter to you? Um, I recently, um, recently spoke at a financial advisor's office. Nice. Some of their advisors. And this was more of a, a communication based talk that I did in and it was body language based also. Um, okay. I'm, I'm a certified instructor through the Body Language Institute in Virginia. And it, and it was based on that information. So what does body language have to do you know, with financial advisors? And it, it was looking at what are some of the challenges and how can those fi the financial advisors meet the challenges with some of the clients. So for example, sometimes people just leave their financial advisor and break up with them and they really don't know why and, you know, move on to somebody else. So how can you like ask questions, get information to retain customers and build a relationship better? Um, and we all know finances are a challenge and it's common for people to want to come in and talk about what they have to invest, but not really want to reveal the entirety of their debt. Like, mm -hmm. I can talk about their mortgage, but let's just minimize the credit card debt that I have because I don't want to talk about that. People sometimes get ashamed of those things and they don't want to talk about them. Of course. So, and for a financial advisor to do the best job that they possibly can for their clients, they need to know that information so they can help you like pay down your credit cards, pay down your debt while you're still investing. And so they need the big picture. So that was some of the stuff that my talk revolved around was how do you notice when your clients pulling away and starting to either repress or suppress information and what can you do and how can you ask questions really to get information out of them? That is very valuable because I always tell people the first thing you have 
in mind, you should have in mind rather, is what are expectations from your audiences? Why would they attend your talk? What keeps them up at night? Or you're so right. You, you really need to keep your focus on the audience first yeah. and trying to figure out what they need and not what we as speakers think they need. That right. makes a whole lot of difference. Right. And I, I, I put some research into that before I did it because I was online Googling and looking at several different websites, like what are the biggest challenges for in the financial advisory? Mm. And so I was actually out there trying to get recorded data, statistical data, so I could meet their needs. Because sometimes clients don't know what their needs are. They, exactly. They, they, have a hard time sometimes pinpointing what it is. So I'll, I will sometimes, not always, I'll sometimes put that type of research into it. Sometimes I have a better feel for my audience. Um, That's a very good point. And we have the easy tool nowadays, just Googling what the audience might have as challenges or whatever, what they're looking for. And I think that what probably made you very successful for that talk is that you did research some statistics mm -hmm. and financial advisors will want to have data somewhere in the talk because that will probably convince them of something more than just having more a more holistic approach because it's not in their everyday work. So that's a very good point. Yeah. And finally, I would ask you, what would be your most important that you would share too. So it, women get empowered on stage and just be more confident doing it. Um, I guess my biggest tip, I think I already touched on earlier. Uh, I think, I think we tend to get in our own way and we talk ourselves out of those things that we really want to do in life. And, and we really do become our biggest obstacles. So whenever you feel that fear, whenever you feel that stress, whenever you feel that, you know, lump in your throat or whatever it is, you have to feel that and experience it and do it anyway. You're never going to change that pattern if you don't work through it because your body is always going to associate that stress response with, okay, this will get us out of having to get up and speak. And if you want to work through it and change that physiological response in the body, you have to work through it to send a new message to the body going, you know what? It isn't that bad. Maybe the lump doesn't have to be as big next time. Maybe it doesn't have to be such a fear-based response next time. Maybe we can, you know, get excited about this instead of being anxious about this. <laughs> That's very smart and very powerful because you're right. The more we do it and we acknowledge that, okay, it's not comfortable, but mm -hmm. we'll probably manage even better the next few times because right. we went through it instead of just running from it. That's very good. Yes. And allow yourself not to be perfect. You know, it's okay oh, yeah. if you get up there and you don't know everything. If you don't have every answer to every question that's asked, to say, I don't know, or I don't have that information in front of me right now. Um, and if it's, when I teach, a lot of times it's to smaller groups. And if it's a smaller group <clears throat> and it's not a huge amount of people, I'll say, write down your information and I'll see if I can find an answer and email you in, Absolutely. in, in the near future. I will get back to you. Um, and I, I think that ego tends to get in people's way, mm -hmm. and, you know, and 
being adequately prepared. I think everybody prepares differently. And sometimes I put a lot of preparation into talks and sometimes I wing it and everything in between. It just depends. Uh, so making sure that you're comfortable with the information. Oh, absolutely. Jennifer, that was really, really powerful because you shared so many tips and tricks and your personal stories. I'm sure they will inspire other women to realize you can go through this. So I thank you very much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. It was. And beneath the player, I'll be putting your links so people can find you and they'll be able to connect with you and get to know a little bit more about what you do. So I thank you again. Thank you so much, Chantel. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please tell us what you think by commenting and even share with your own networks to inspire and empower others to do public speaking. 